Hi, I'm Sonia Jean Killebrew, and this is Black America and COVID, an oral history project. I started this project during Black History Month of 2022 because I wanted to provide a platform for Black Americans to share their stories about living, working, and or going to school during the COVID-19 pandemic. I also wanted to provide a space for people to memorialize someone who is a Black American who sadly lost their life during the COVID-19 pandemic. I was inspired by the work of Zora Neale Hurston, author and anthropologist, to record the experiences of Black Americans in their own voices. My goal is to get my recordings into museums such as the Smithsonian Museum of African American History and Culture, or the Schomburg, or the Library of Congress's Folklife Museum. I'll share a little bit about me and my family history, and then I'll speak to my guests. I'm a Black American. My dad was African American and Indigenous American. His ancestors were enslaved in Georgia. In fact, we still have our family's slave name, which is Kilbrew. My dad, Dr. Terrence Kilbrew, met my mom in graduate school at the New School in New York when they were both earning their master's degrees in psychology. And I'm a fourth generation teacher. So my mother is a retired New York City teacher. My grandmother was a teacher on the island of Jamaica for 20 years and then in New York for 20 years. My great-grandmother was a teacher in Jamaica up until she got married. She was the daughter of an Irish woman and a black man. She stopped working after she got married because it wasn't considered respectable for a married woman to continue working in the late 1800s. And ironically, my mother began teaching long after she got married in the late 1900s. So, Without further ado, I'm excited to speak with my guest today. yourself as African American or Black American, or how would you identify yourself? Um, fundamentally Black, I would say. As far as a national identifier, I would say African-American. And would you like to tell us a little bit about your ancestry? Sure. So <clears throat> my ancestry stems from three places. So Georgia, South Carolina, and uh, Queens, New York. So my mother's parents are both from a small town in Georgia, about an hour east of Atlanta. Um, my father's mother's family is from South Carolina and my father's father is from uh, Queens, New York. And he actually grew up as an orphan. So he grew up in foster homes and in group homes. So we don't know much of his lineage before him. Wow. Thank you. And what would you like to share about living and working during the pandemic in 2020 and 2021? Um, 
it, it was sort of weirdly convenient in that or or I, let me let me see it was tragically convenient mm. mm-hmm. in that if you are a workaholic or someone who does not have good boundaries between work and and life mm-hmm. uh, working remotely made it very possible to work entirely too much yeah yeah, so I think I fell victim to that. Did you transition to working from home in 2020? I did. So I worked from home pretty much from March of 2020 through July or early August of 2021. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I first went back into the office maybe middle, late July, early August of 2021. So... Did you need to set up an, a home office or was it already established? Um, I had to make some improvements to it. Um, it wasn't necessarily fully functional to Zoomcast and, and some other things. I um, had to do some things with the lighting and uh, update my computers a little bit, but it wasn't too much of a transition. Yeah. And can you describe a 24-hour day, like in 2020, and then in 24 hours in 2021, just a typical day for you? So in 2020, it was sort of getting up, I guess, maybe around 6, 6.30 or so. And, and considering the day, maybe thereafter getting my kids up, figuring out the different spaces in the house where they would occupy and where my wife would be versus where I would be, considering what I had on my agenda to determine if I needed quiet or if I could just be anywhere throughout the house. At some point, figuring out breakfast for everyone, figuring out lunch you know, between my wife and I, trying to figure out what different assignments my kids had. So they were doing remote gym class. Oh, uh, Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. It got it got wild. <laughs> um, so yeah, their gym teacher would lead gym class over, not Zoom. What's the other one? Oh, for kids, uh, Google Meet. Or... It was maybe it was a Google Meet. Maybe yeah. So he he would run the the gym class, and they would. He actually worked them pretty hard. They were doing calisthenics and different <laughs> sports activities and making up games. So it was it was intense. <clears throat> and then art class, and I have my daughters are four years apart, so art class is very different for both of them, as is gym. And you know, they need different levels of engagement. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my eldest, for the most part, could be engaged without me hovering over her. The 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 baby, not so much. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so yeah, just figuring out when they needed me throughout the day so I could sort of schedule myself around them and my wife and I sort of trading off. Both of us work very people-facing jobs. So that's that can be intense and unpredictable, managing naps and, and all of that good stuff. Um, I would say, yeah, trying to find a way to sort of, at the end of the day, around three o'clock, let them be a bit free 
even though we still had to work for another three or four hours, sometimes mm -hmm. more. There was a period of time when nobody was going outside either, which was mm -hmm. really crazy, especially for kids. Um, I'm more of a homebody, so I can work and just hang out in the house. That's pretty much cool for me. But if you have a, a six-year-old and a, a three-year-old, that's that's not too cool. So <laughs> trying to find ways to get them to the park, letting them play in front of the house and different things like that. Dinner and, and then some sort of bedtime routine, which is really, really hard. Getting kids to bed at night in the pandemic was hard because they had they really couldn't separate just activity and play from rest and sleep because they had been in the house all day. So uh, that was probably 2020, you know, being really happy around 930 when everybody's going to bed and you're up and you sort of have a quiet house to be productive in. But then realizing that, you know, it was all going to start over again the next morning at 630. So 2021 was a bit different. So my, at some point in, in February, May, both of my kids went back into school, mm -hmm. but I was still remote. And my wife went back into the building, but I was still remote. So it was everything from 2020 plus drop off and pick up, which is interesting. So the drop off is typically early enough that I didn't have much work stuff to do. You know, you drop the kids off at school, 7.45, 8 o'clock, 8.15 in that range. So there's not too much work stuff that early, but the pickup was interesting. I took a lot of meetings in the car. Um, oh. oh yeah, took a lot of meetings where I had to say to, to my kids, I need you guys to sit quietly on the back, which you know, even for the most well-behaved kid, after a day of school when they haven't seen you all day, it's going to be, they want to talk to you and tell you about stuff. So it's like, yeah. I really want to hear this story, but I actually have, actually have to have this meeting right now. So <laughs> running around and, and learning how to schedule your work day around pickup times so that it's sort of heavy up until two and then light until three. Um, I've had a bunch of times where I was pulling up to my house right around through with both of my daughters and we had to literally run out of the car into the house because I had to go to a meeting at three. So we're pulling up at 2.59. Like, okay, you're going to have to get up the car. You have to run in the house and I'm get you guys some, get your own snack. There's some fruit in there. Grab it. You watch a little TV. I have to go upstairs to this meeting. And they were actually really, really great to sort of be independent and autonomous to say, well, it's okay, dad, go to your meeting. We're fine oh. down here. So they were they were really good about that. And then, you know, that sort of began to return the routine where the evening was a bit easier because they were used to functioning outside of the house and, you know, being active and engaged and stimulated outside the house. So the home became more about leisure and rest. So bedtime was a bit easier. Um, so yeah, that's probably the difference between the two. Oh, I love that. And can you tell me what was like grocery shopping? Did you order groceries or were you going out? Um, we did a mixture of the two. We, we, we ordered a bunch of stuff. And at, at first it was, you had to order like two weeks in advance. Yeah. Where usually you could order like the day before, two days before most and get a, get a time slot. But we also, we also went out to the stores 
I know I did a bunch of times. We, I live very close to a, a shop, right? Like I could walk to it in five minutes, mm-hmm. five, seven minutes. So that was not that I ever did that. I drove, but pretty convenient. And you have to know when to go. You got to go on certain days, certain times. You know, when you're from the hood, you don't go to the grocery store on the 1st or 15th. You're asking for trouble. Too many people there. <laughs> so you already have sort of, you know, grocery store etiquette and savvy. You know, yeah. You go, grocery store closed at 10. I know if I get there at 9, it's going to be pretty empty. I can get everything that I want. It'll be pretty quiet. Get in, get out. So I did that a bunch of times. Um, there were a couple of times where I made the mistake of going in midday. That was, that's not fun. Oh, that's right. Because I, I think because people are working from home, so they're all thinking they can run to the Correct. grocery store on their lunch break. And <laughs> no, they, they could not do that successfully. Oh, wow. Were you wearing a mask? Did New Jersey have oh, yeah. a mask mandate? Well, you had to back then. You, to yeah. get into the store, you had to have a mask and keep it on. And I was wearing a mask anyway, just because my own personal conviction but yeah people were pretty good about being masked up occasionally there were rebels but for the most part not too much and did you get involved in any of the black lives matter protests i didn't like i was just working um i might have gone out to one or two Mm -hmm. but nothing i didn't take any leadership role or anything like that i just sort of walked out and it's really a sort of guilty yeah. being there in a oh. way. Well, you know, I, I remember. <laughs> so, my um, I wanted to go to the gym, and my wife has seen this report about how long the COVID virus can stay alive with different equipment and material. Mm-hmm. She was like, nah, like you go to the gym, but I don't know where you're gonna go after that because <laughs> you, you can't you can't come back here with, with that COVID. And I was like, no, no, it'll be okay. She's like, no, no, <laughs> no, it won't be. It won't be okay at all. And I was like, okay. If you're this serious about it, then I won't go. I actually called my brothers, like, hey, so I'm actually not gonna go and work out. I'm gonna pass. <laughs> I thought it was a bit overblown, but so the interesting thing is, I, so I, I am, I'm like honorary Jamaican, ah. according to stereotypes. Yeah. So I have, I have four jobs. Yes, you are. So yes. I'm honorary. <laughs> and I just, I, like I said, I'm, I'm fundamentally black, which means I love the diaspora. So I Absolutely. just think black people are the best thing ever in all of our spectrum and permeations I, I just think that we're wonderful and i think you know oftentimes when we speak of diversity we speak of it interracially but mm-hmm. i think there's phenomenal intraracial diversity amongst blackness so so yeah i'm proudly uh you know honorary jamaican even though i think i gave myself that distinction nobody, <laughs> nobody gave that to me so I I, yeah <laughs> so i have i have four jobs and one of those jobs is one job is in the college access space. I worked with a, a nonprofit org here in Newark for the last 15 years. Mm-hmm. And another job that I've done for the last five is I'm a pastor. Oh, wow. So, yes. So an interesting convergence, a sad convergence of the two happened 
when one of my former students' mother passed. And this was maybe right at the same time everything was getting shut down. So this is like March, mid-March 2020. Mm -hmm. So she asked me, um, you know, would I officiate the funeral? Mm. Would, would I eulogize her? And at this point, most churches were closed. There were a couple of funeral homes that would open, but they had very strict, you know, uh, capacity regulations. It was really, really weird because typically you don't see that type of strictness in the funeral home. It's usually mm. the exact opposite, very accepting and inviting and free and liberal. But they were like, no, no, only 10 people can come into the the chapel at a time, which, you know, very, very hard. And People are hesitant to, to hug each other, which at a funeral is, you know, incredibly awkward. Yes. So I, I literally, I go and I do this funeral. And I think I came within, I gave like the extended like a hug to my former student. Um who at that point I had known for like 13 years. Mm -hmm. I'd known her for a while. I'd known her mother and her father, um, her whole family. So it was really, really tough. And I was honored, you know, like that, that she would call me and that I was able to do it. Mm -hmm. But I was, this, this had to be like March 28th, 2020. So oh, very, wow. very early. Yeah. So I'm like, all right. What am I gonna do? So I take I take all of the clothes that I have, and I get to the parking lot by my car, and I take off those clothes and put on some like shorts and like a, a t-shirt. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to like hide so nobody can see me because like okay, I don't really I don't want the clothes that I was wearing to be exposed inside the car. Right. Right. So then I take, I get into the car and I go back to uh, the nonprofit program to our offices, which are, you know, pitch black. Nobody's there. But we have a shower there. Mm. So I take those clothes off and I shower and I put some fresh clothes on. Then I take the clothes that I officiated the funeral in and the clothes that I wore to the, the office. And I put them in a, a, a garbage bag and put them somewhere in, in the closet. Mm -hmm. Then I go home in the third pair of clothes that I had. And I leave my sneakers outside in front of the house. Yes. Because everybody at that point was, was extremely, extremely paranoid. Yes. And, you know, I don't know that anything that I did made sense <laughs> or, or that it was helpful in, in you know keeping COVID out of the house I guess I could say it was because at that point nobody got COVID mm -hmm. but it was just it was a very it was a very very weird time that made you know some fundamentally human things a lot harder to 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 conduct you're absolutely right. In your description of changing your clothes, a lot of people, when they came home from work, they left their clothes outside and then mm -hmm. stepped into the home. That was mm -hmm. 
the norm. Because like you said, we didn't know how yep. the virus was being transmitted. Yep. Yeah. Yep, so, yep, yep. so, and you know, I, I could, I probably wasn't the most disciplined person, you know, like you say to yourself, I can maintain social distancing. I can do all of these things and I can do them strictly. You know, I have these standards, I'm going to uphold them. But then you're out with people. And like I said, I was, I was in, a, in a funeral home at a funeral. Mm-hmm. It's hard not to hug somebody. Yeah, yeah. Very, very hard not to, even though you're like, I probably shouldn't be doing this, but I'm just going to go ahead and give you a little hug because I think you need it right yeah, people are right because grieving it's it's so far and not to hug someone. And you're a pastor. It's like, like <laughs> this is literally what I do. Yeah. And you know, in these moments, I show up and I bring up a, a modicum of peace and of empathy and encouragement and you know just humanity with me mm. and. I never felt awkward. In fact, part of the reason why I am a pastor is because I feel comfortable and competent in those circumstances. Mm-hmm. But in COVID, it was like, oof. Yeah, because hundreds of people were dying a day at that point in March. And then yep. we were getting the news about Italy, like, yep. like so many people were dying. Yeah. Um, oh, and then the final question, is there anyone who, well, you just shared about um, someone who'd passed away. Anyone else you want to memorialize who may have passed away? Um, so I, I was, I was very, very fortunate in that no one in my congregation passed from COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, We've had a handful of, of deaths, but they weren't COVID related. They were, they were elders who, who either, you know, the, the function of their body uh, expired. They just, they just got old mm-hmm. or they had other health concerns that they were, they were navigating, but nobody from, from COVID really, um, yeah. Oh, wow. Thank goodness. Yeah. It, it was, listen, it was, we were extremely, extremely blessed. Um, and also have a very conscientious, conscientious uh, congregation. So everybody's vaccinated and boosted and, you know, really on top of maintaining their health in that regard. Mm. Um, and I just, you know, typically speaking, A lot of people at my church live a long time. Like I tell people, if you want to live long, you know, join my church. Mm. These people live. They live a, a long, long, long time. Um, I got a, a the deacon, the chair of our deacon board, eighty three, and he walking around. He's fifty three. He's <laughs> he's in incredible shape. He's helping with the food pantry. He's driving here, driving there. Mm. So so yeah, you know, there's. There, there was that, I think, to to assist in people's health, just health and wellness generally, and people who have some good health practices, mm-hmm. um, and who are, you know, faithful people, believers, 
who also think science is a great gift that is to be embraced and, and not ignored. So that, that was helpful. That's, thank you for sharing that. Thank you. I thank you for your time. It's an honor. You're the first pastor I've, I've spoken with. Oh, wow. Well, I, I feel privileged. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. And you're the year, I'm the year before you in high school? Yes. Yeah. Um, you, you are one year older than <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you're 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 Taft ninety seven. Yes, Taft ninety eight. So me, Jasmine Hogan, Pete Higby, Neff Brown, um, that whole clique of people. Yeah, I like to say how I know the people I'm interviewing. I'm so I'm starting with friends and family. Um, okay. So I really appreciate your time and well, I, glad to give it. Thank you. And once all the recordings are in a museum, I look forward to having a gathering where we can all come together with our family and our friends and talk like in, in real life. So, And, you know, I, I think it is very important. Uh, oftentimes when it comes to uh, just the residual effect of any major happening, we talk about the kids you know, oh, the kids and the learning loss and these years of school and how will they recover? What will they do? But the truth is we, we've all lost something mm. in this experience and, and to just move on as though it never happened is, is it's traumatic. It, it doubles down on the trauma. So we have to talk through and express ourselves and the, the things that we lament and the things that we, we came to love during that time because you know to say that it was all bad would, would not be would not be true I think again as someone who works so much I work all the time um, just the opportunity to be in the house with my kids that much for a year you know 15 months that's rare typically you know you wouldn't have that but yeah I think it was it was great in that respect I love that. I'm considering for work. I don't want to work no more. Work is for the birds. <laughs> I, I just want to hang out with my kids and, and do cool stuff. <laughs> a lot of parents said that. It was good to be at home and spend yeah. time with their kids. Yeah. 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 Oh, wow. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Anaje. Well, have a good night. I don't know if it's quite your dinner time yet, but it's oh, don't Leah, don't worry about me. We'll figure that out. Thank you. <laughs> have a great one. Have a great one. Bye. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to my conversation on this episode of Black America and COVID, an oral history project. If you enjoyed the episode, then please give it five stars wherever you listen to podcasts. The more five stars the podcast has, the more visible it is, the more access I have to people who would like to share their story living, working, and or going to school during the COVID-19 pandemic. If you are a Black American and you would like to share your experience with me, then email me at soniakilabrew at gmail.com. The emails in the show notes of the podcast or direct message me through my Instagram account, Black America and COVID, all one word, all lowercase. If you are a non-Black American 
and you would like to memorialize the life of a black American sadly lost during the COVID-19 pandemic, then email me as well. This episode was written, produced, and audio engineered by me, Sonia Jean Killebrew, podcast host and executive producer. Thanks for listening to my oral history project, Black America and COVID.